tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's February 22nd. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, new details on that FBI informant that we discussed earlier this week. He was arrested last week. He had been working on the Biden family corruption investigation. I've got the latest with some very peculiar details. Second, we have some news about this next shocking fact. The United States government will spend more money on interest payments this year than the entire defense budget. We'll talk about what is going on and why we should care. Third, we've got updates from previous briefs that I've given you about Argentina, the concept of geoengineering. Plus, the mining industry around the world is getting beat up all because you are fed up with the dirty green revolution. Finally, a surprise guest for tomorrow's episode, but I'll give you a hint right now. It's a former CIA analyst that you might have heard of, and I will have him on to talk about America, the world, and our time at the CIA. But before we get to those updates and that surprise guest, let's get to our top story of the morning. The FBI has released new details about the longtime informant that it used on the Biden family corruption investigation. To refresh our memories on this, actually from Monday's brief, we're talking about Mr. Alexander Smirnov. He had been working for the FBI since at least the year 2010 on a range of different investigations, with his work having been described previously as highly valued and deeply vetted, at least according to the Bureau last summer. But he was arrested last week by his former FBI handlers who alleged that actually, starting back in the year 2020, he'd knowingly lied about Biden family corruption. Specifically, he lied about the story that Joe and Hunter Biden had taken $5 million apiece from the Ukrainian company called Burisma Holdings. Mr. Smirnov had said that he got that intel from conversations with Burisma executives, but the FBI now says that those conversations never happened. Mr. Smirnov just made it all up. So that is what we talked about on Monday. We are now learning more about this case, and the details are very peculiar. So here's the latest with my assessment in a bit. But first, the facts. We now know that Mr. Smirnov is a 43-year-old man and a dual citizen from both Israel and the United States. He was recruited by the FBI around 15 years ago, give or take, when he was in his late 20s, in part because of his connections to Russia and likely Ukraine. And we don't know a ton yet about what exactly those connections are, but we do know that he speaks at least fluent Russian, and he spent considerable time in that country, Russia, in his younger years. Well, not surprisingly, he had a lot of connections to foreign officials in Moscow and their intelligence services, and that led to his recruitment as an FBI informant. After he was recruited in around the year 2010, 
Federal prosecutors say that he spent the next 10 years speaking daily to his FBI handlers, and they judged him and his information as good. In fact, they paid him six figures for his time. That is, until he started reporting on Biden family corruption back in the year 2020. That is when Mr. Smirnoff told his FBI uh, handlers that he had met with Burisma executives uh, years prior, back in 2017 or so, and they knew some really juicy details about Biden family corruption. Now, Smirnoff said he had not told his FBI handlers to that point because Biden wasn't running for the presidency. He was out of office. But he said his sources confirmed that in the year 2017, that the Bidens were deeply corrupt. According to the Associated Press, an FBI field office then conducted an investigation into this Biden family allegation, specifically the $5 million payments to the Bidens. And this FBI field office found these allegations to be false. And they recommended in, in at least August of 2020 to terminate or end the relationship with Mr. Smirnoff. But the FBI did not. Over the next three years, the Bureau continued to meet with this guy up through just a couple of months ago until December. During these three years, Mr. Smirnoff continued to work on a number of different cases to include Biden family corruption issues. And his sources shared very recently that Hunter had traveled to Kiev in just the last number of months, and he went to a particular hotel in the capital city. In fact, Mr. Smirnoff said that he himself saw a video of Hunter going into a hotel in Kiev or someone who sure looked like Hunter. But the Department of Justice said in this indictment that Hunter never traveled to Kiev, certainly not this past fall or winter, and that Mr. Smirnoff was just making it all up. The indictment unsealed this week went on to say that Mr. Smirnoff is just a relentless liar a man who cannot be trusted to uh, provide accurate information about, frankly, anything. For what it's worth, Mr. Smirnoff is now in Nevada. He's wearing an ankle monitor to keep him honest. The DOJ is trying to get him thrown behind bars this morning, but a judge so far has refused. So those are the latest facts and data about this fascinating case and very unusual. Let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion to help us understand exactly what is going on. So let's start with this. We now know that the FBI recruited this guy because he had foreign government contacts in at least 2010. So nothing unusual about that. But his contacts included foreign intel officers, and those were probably Russian officers. And that is a little bit unusual. So what that means is that whichever FBI officer, we might call my handler, met with Mr. Smirnoff, he would or she would have needed to be a very experienced officer who knew how to handle spies like this. And that's because Mr. Smirnoff could have been first a double agent. That's a guy who was secretly working for, say, the Russians, and they were directing Mr. Smirnoff to knowingly feed false information to the FBI to either influence or mislead the U.S. government. Second, Mr. Smirnoff could have also been an otherwise good asset, but he was unwittingly passing along false information, all because the Russians somehow discovered that he was working for the FBI, and they got some sources to pass this Smirnoff some junk intel, again, to mislead Uncle Sam. 
Or finally, Mr. Smirnoff could have been a great asset, but he needed a very strong FBI officer to work with him because of this very high threat of possible Russian shenanigans. He needed to be closely watched and handled and continuously vetted. So the point is this, Mr. Smirnoff's FBI handler would have likely been a very senior officer, probably working with other Intel colleagues. Hmm, who could those be? To deeply vet Mr. Smirnoff and his information on an ongoing basis. So as of this morning, we can say, yes, this happened. For at least 10 years, the FBI spoke with this guy almost daily and found his information and him to be of high quality. And that earned Mr. Smirnoff hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay, so here's where it gets really strange. We're going to call this oddity number one. So we know that back in 2020, Mr. Smirnoff begins to talk about Biden family corruption. And at that point, the senior FBI handler and other Intel colleagues would have absolutely vetted his explosive information. Somebody on that investigative team then did so. And they found that his intel and maybe him were bad. And okay, that happens. But generally not this. They then kept him on the books, despite the finding that he might be corrupt or his intel bad. Moreover, they continued to use him on Biden family investigations, again, for upwards of three years. And that's incredibly bizarre, given the sensitivity of the issue, which takes us to oddity number two. So we have some fresh reporting from the New York Times that the Bureau didn't trust this Smirnoff guy, not just going back to uh, 2020, but rather to the early 20-teens when he was first recruited. Okay, so here's why this is relevant. The New York Times is usually where the FBI goes to leak what it wants to have the press run. For what it's worth, the CIA usually goes to the Washington Post. So now we have the New York Times and the FBI, probably, they are now pivoting to this new talking point that actually Smirnoff was not just unreliable back in 2020, but really all along. But wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense either. Because last summer, the Bureau said that he was a trusted member of the spy team for 10 plus years, and they paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars. They also said this summer that any revelations about this man could jeopardize his life. But now, he's bad, and the FBI never trusted him. Well, that's fascinating. What strange timing. This Smirnoff guy is bad talking point happens right as House Republicans start asking some very tough questions about Biden family corruption to include Hunter Biden. He goes under oath to talk about this in about a week or so's time. It's very interesting. Shall we say fishy? Finally, I have read reports where politicians in D.C. are spreading this idea that Smirnoff has connections to Russian intel, and that proves some grander conspiracy that the Russians are once again trying to attack our democracy. Well, easy does it on that because this man was hired because of his Russian connections, not despite them. And I should also note that Smirnoff was honest about his sourcing, that he's getting his information on the Bidens, especially from at least Russian intel officers. So, my goodness, I am baffled by this case. So far, what we know does not make a lot of sense. And it leaves me with one of two possibilities. First, 
It would suggest that the FBI is full of bumbling idiots who have botched the handling of a very sensitive Russian case. And to believe that, you would have to believe that there was a failure after failure after failure of a lot of different FBI agents who were handling or otherwise reviewing this guy for over a decade. Okay, well, that's possible. I have worked in these government bureaucracies, and there's a lot of good people, but there's a lot of turds, just to be real honest with you. But second, it is also possible that the Biden DOJ and the Biden FBI are burning Smirnoff to undermine this corruption investigation into the Biden family. In other words, they're trying to protect Mr. Biden, and to do so, they got to bury this Smirnoff guy. He's got to go. And I would love to say to you that this is just some impossible conspiracy theory. But after the Trump-Russia investigation, which uh, folks might know as the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, we have proven examples of both illegality and corruption within those organizations to include the director of the FBI, James Comey. So who knows at this point, anything is possible. Bottom line, I don't know whether we've got a a bumbling bureau, or some deep state shenanigans on this Smirnoff case. And that's because, as ever, I can't answer the fundamental question of whether or not we can trust Biden's DOJ to investigate Biden's criminality. And that's the bottom line for me. More to come, folks. Next up this morning, let's talk about how your government is using your money. And we start with this next shocking fact. The U.S. government is going to spend more money on interest payments to service our national debt this year than it will on the entire U.S. defense budget. Let me say that again. The interest payments on our national debt are going to be greater this year than the U.S. defense budget. The reason for this dramatic development is threefold. First, we've got high interest rates. Second, those rates are applied to a record-breaking $34 trillion dollars in debt. And third, we've got continued record annual deficits. In other words, each year's spending bills outpace revenue, and that only adds to the overall national debt. So this startling data was reported by the Congressional Budget Office earlier this week, and I should say startling because it happened four years earlier than expected. So we start this segment with this shocking data this morning. Data that the White House was aware of on Monday, which takes us to yesterday. Mr. Biden announced that his administration yesterday is transferring $1.2 billion of student loan debt to the U.S. national debt. The White House said that it would send a personalized email from Mr. Biden to these young debt holders and young voters, telling them that they could sign up and get their debt waved away, either by signing up for something called the SAVE program or they're just going to get it automatically. The email that Biden will send out uh, reads, by the way, as follows, quote, congratulations, all or a portion of your federal student loans will be forgiven because you qualify for early loan forgiveness under my administration's save plan. I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room, end quote. Mr. Biden is also emphasizing this morning that this latest effort is but one part of his effort to wipe away $138 billion of student loan debt in this country, transferring it to the federal government. 
Also, for what it's worth, Mr. Biden's team says that they're doing this because borrowers in this country have been caught up in, gosh, bad loan terms, some unfair federal bureaucracies, or at the end of the day, this is just good for America's middle class. Critics argue that while some of that might be true, it's really just good for Mr. Biden's reelection campaign. Poll numbers show that he is far behind on his support with young people, and doing things like this or joining TikTok will help. Listeners might also know that Republicans have been trying to stop this by suing the Biden administration with some mixed success. But it does appear, as of this morning, that this latest scheme will go through. And by the way, it's going to cost a lot more than advertised. Nonpartisan estimates are that about a half a trillion dollars will be the ultimate bill in all. Meanwhile, as our national debt expands further this morning because of, in this case, student debt programs, we're also learning that there's another big bill coming due, and it has to do with the dirty green energy revolution. As listeners will recall, Mr. Biden got Congress to pass his Inflation Reduction Act that was really about transitioning from oil and natural gas to coal and, well, on to green energy, as they say. And the bill, the cost for it, uh, included massive tax credits. Well, the Congressional Budget Office has revealed a latest estimate on that cost. And it's not going to be around $300 billion, folks, but rather an extra $428 billion. And that will go towards some pretty serious corporate tax benefits to create some factories that make electric vehicles and batteries. Plus, it will benefit buyers of EVs and other so-called green technologies. But that's not all. We've got another round of spending to talk about this morning, and that's because on Tuesday, Mr. Biden renewed his push for $95 billion for his foreign aid bill. Most of that money will go to Ukraine and elsewhere, but he's reminding Americans this morning that most of the money will be spent in the U.S. That will include in places like Arizona, where the Patriot missile system is built, or in Alabama, where the Javelin missile systems are built. And while all of that is true, it is still deficit spending, adding to that $34 trillion in debt and those record interest payments this morning. So taken together, all of this news is leading House Republicans to privately say this morning that they will force a government shutdown in about one week's time. That's because there is a March 1st deadline to pass new government funding bills, but Republicans say in the House that they're going to use this automatic government shutdown to prove a point. They say that government spending is out of control and must be brought to heel. They argue it doesn't matter if there might be some good spending out there for, say, indebted students or the people of Ukraine or the dirty green energy revolution. It doesn't matter. That's because America simply cannot afford this spending, no matter the benefit. So those are the latest faction data on how your government is spending and spending and spending your money and loading up the nation with debt and record interest payments. Let me offer you my very brief analysis and opinion. Back in late December, I shared with you the nonpartisan Penn Wharton budget model. It forecasted that America was on a path to default within 15 to 20 years if nothing is done in Washington, D.C. to rein in our spending. Well, that prediction, I think, is painfully accurate this morning, and that's why we should care. This country is flirting with economic ruin, and no matter how popular those spending programs might be, 
we're getting to the point that we simply can't afford them. And if we try, if we just ignore the problem and pretend like it doesn't exist and kick the can down the road, our economic house is going to come crashing down 10, 15, 20 years from now. It will. And when it does, life for you, your children, and your grandchildren will never be the same. So I would recommend that we put this issue on our list of things to care about, if you are so moved, that is. And please do remember it, certainly come next November. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. It is you and your financial support that are keeping this podcast alive. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, I sure thank you as well. And I encourage you to do your part this morning and support the companies that support me. You'll hear about them shortly. We'll be right back. Folks, back on January 9th, we talked about the big fight with Russia and how that could badly affect the U.S. dollar and you. Well, if you're looking for ways to diversify your investments, boy, consider physical gold and silver and consider American Hartford Gold as you do. They are the precious metal dealer that I use and trust. And when you give them a call, they will explain how to protect not only your savings accounts, but also your retirement accounts, all by purchasing gold and silver. Plus, they will explain their buyback commitment, which is rock solid. And here's some more good news. Feel very comfortable using American Heart for Gold as they have a five-star rating from thousands of reviews, plus an A-plus ranking from the Better Business Bureau. So here's how you do it. Either give them a call at 866-353-2694. Again, that is 866-353-2694. Or you can just text them. Text right to 65532. And gosh, that's easy. Again, 65532. And just text them my last name. And when you do, listen to this. They will give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your very first order, depending on your total purchase. So again, either give them a call at 866-353-2694 or text my last name right to 65532. And as you do, my friends, make sure that you remember that January brief about the currency wars, because that is why we want to consider physical gold, my friends, and silver with American Hartford Gold. Who's ready for a good night's sleep? Well, if that's you, you need to do what I did. Get yourself a ghost bed. Yeah, it's the company that I think makes the finest mattresses in all of America. And you know it's true because I own one. I have the Lux model, which is designed to help people like me who sleep just a little bit hot. But they've got other models as well. There is the classic plus a new massage bed. And that's fun, except for the people who live downstairs. But whatever your model, get one of these things. The mattresses from the folks at GhostBed are built with high-quality materials and fine craftsmanship. And when you get into one of these ghost beds, you feel both the material, the craftsmanship. And I tell you, here's some great news. This bed comes right to your doorstep. And if that makes you a little bit nervous about buying something without trying it, I get it. I felt the same way, but don't worry. They have a 101-day trial period, plus free shipping and returns. So folks, let GhostBed give you the sleep that you deserve, and you're going to get 50% off when you do. So go to ghostbed.com slash right, that's W-R-I-G-H-T, and 50% off will be yours. But you got to use that website, ghostbed.com slash right. And by golly, get ready, because when that bed arrives, you are going to be off to a great night's sleep. I guarantee it. 
Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our news this morning with three updates on three previous reports that we have discussed in months gone by. First, we return to Argentina, which we discussed back on November 20th. To refresh our memories on why, here's why we care about this country. It's a nation with about $30 billion in trade with this country, most of which is with American products and services going there. In other words, odds are that a factory or a farm in your state or region, they're making money or creating jobs with the help of these exports to Argentina. So that alone, I think, is a darn good reason to care about Argentina. But we also care because of this. Many of the leaders in the capital city of Buenos Aires have some very eerie similarities to our leaders. For instance, they have driven up the rate of inflation to over 200%. They loaded up Argentina with massive debt, and they've caused their currency to all but collapse. And now, much of their population lives in poverty. To be clear, it is far worse in Argentina than here, but the point was and is that Argentina might be able to offer us some early warning signs and solutions for how we might solve our problems here. And that started, by the way, with electing a new president, and they did so last November. Argentina elected a wild-haired guy named Javier Millet, and he promised an economic shock to his countrymen with reforms of all kinds with the hopes that it might bring the country back from the economic cliff. Well, here we are four months later, and we return to Argentina this morning for the latest news. And here it is, good news, generally speaking. His shock therapy is starting to pay off. For the first time in more than a decade, Argentina had a budget surplus. It was modest, around $600 million, but for a collapsing government that had been led by some radical socialists, it was a remarkable amount of progress in just four months. There's also this pretty darn good news. He's slowly getting inflation under control. When he was elected, it was running at about 25% each month, but now it's around 20% and likely a lot lower for February, closer to 10%. So part of the way that he's doing this is by devaluing his currency and dramatically cutting back on national spending, especially on social programs and government bureaucracies. And while that is helpful in many ways, it's also fueling an increase in poverty, which stands at around 50% of the country. For what it's worth, President Miele knew that this was going to happen. He's an economist, and he predicted that there would be some very serious short-term pain before things would start to get better. And so far, slowly, things are. So I'll be watching for whether this trend continues, especially as Mr. Miele fights it out with a Congress and a party in that uh, place that don't like him very much. I'll also be watching for whether we see social unrest in Argentina, most likely from the radical leftists who are trying to just stir up some trouble. More to come. Next, we've got some alarming news coming to us from the global mining industry, and it all comes down to a botched experiment with dirty green energy. To explain, let me give you a quick refresh of our memories. Back on August 16th and 17th, I shared that the dirty green revolution will require tremendous increases in global mining for elements like lithium, nickel, cobalt, and copper. Those minerals are critical for the batteries and the transmission lines that are necessary for this new energy economy. Now, many of the predictions for the increase in mining came from an assumption that consumers like you would have no other choice but to participate in this new green world. 
Namely, and especially, you would have to buy those electric vehicles or EVs. To the point, the Biden White House and European leaders issued laws and proclamations that their citizens must buy EVs and only EVs by the early 2030s or 2040s. Meanwhile, states like California and Washington said that they would ban new gas-powered cars around that same time frame. But that's not happening. And that takes us to two related pieces of news and updates. First, consumers in both the United States and Europe are making it increasingly clear that they are not interested in EVs. Surveys show that they're too expensive to buy, too expensive to maintain, too glitchy to operate, or they're really bad in cold weather. Instead, consumers say that they want either gas-powered cars or hybrids. And that market collapse for EVs has caused a whiplash. The Biden White House is now looking to delay those EV mandates that force folks like you to buy only EVs over the next 10 years. Meanwhile, car companies are delaying or even shutting down their new EV or battery factories, expecting to lose tens of billions of dollars on the EVs that they do sell. And that market change takes us to the second related piece of news this morning. Mining companies are getting squeezed by this drop in demand and the abundance then of supply with a corresponding collapse in prices. That is leading mines around the world to be shut down or scaled down and a lot of jobs lost. So let's start by talking about lithium. Prices for lithium have just been absolutely eviscerated down by as much as 80 to 90% from just last year. And that has led to a delay in new mining and refining facilities, like a billion dollar plant in the state of South Carolina. Next, the nickel industry is being hammered too, with a price about half of what it was last year. In fact, it's gotten so bad that major producers in Australia have asked their government for help to keep them afloat. And about a week ago, they got it. I should note, though, something special about nickel. The issue here isn't just about this collapse in EV demand. Rather, there's also a major glut of nickel in the market. It's mostly driven by Chinese miners in Indonesia who are flooding the market. Some argue that Beijing is doing this on purpose. They're trying to bankrupt their competitors, especially in Australia, such that China can gain market share. But that aside, nickel is in trouble. And so, too, is cobalt. Prices are down 60% over the past two years, largely due to the lack of demand from the dirty green revolution. But also this, the mines in the Congo, mostly owned by the Chinese, have pumped out so much of this stuff that it has also caused a glut, just like with nickel. And that is forcing other mines around the world to close operations to include in this country, in the state of Idaho. Finally, there's copper. And this is mostly good news. Prices are down, but only about 8% year over year. And existing copper mines are still doing pretty brisk business. But the upshot, in general, is that the mining boom from just over a year ago has gone bust. Part of that is China playing some dirty pool with those nickel mines in Indonesia and the cobalt market in the Congo. But the biggest spoiler of all this morning is the lack of demand from this dirty green revolution. With that, let me now offer my analysis and opinion. First, these low prices actually represent an opportunity. Governments might create strategic stockpiles of minerals for, say, the possibility of a war. And guess what? China is doing that. They are making some big, big purchases. And belatedly, 
the U.S. is starting to do the same. So that's interesting. What do these guys know that we don't about the possibility of war? Hmm. Second, I think that the bigger takeaway this morning is this. The dirty green revolution is precisely what happens when you have a set of either a socialist or Marxist politicians in places like D.C. and beyond that are trying to dictate how the economy should run and what you should buy. What history shows us is that every time that they try this, that this Marxist experiment fails. Every time leftist leaders forget about the one thing that really matters, and that's you, the people. They get so stuck on their leftist revolutionary ideas that they fail to ask the working man and woman if that's really what you want, if that's really what the market needs. And that is why this morning, I think that they are being reminded of that once again. The market and the people are more powerful than whatever radical leftist revolutionary ideas they may have. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we take our last commercial break of the morning. When we come back, I've got an update for you about a brief I gave you, gosh, almost a year ago. Plus some more hints about that surprise guess for tomorrow morning. We'll be right back. Well, I have something very special to tell you about. It's about an old colleague of mine and a product that celebrates his life. His name was Glenn Doherty. He died in Libya back in 2012, protecting U.S. personnel in the city of Benghazi. His call sign was Bub. Ten years later, his friends are carrying on his memory and his mission for good health by launching Bub'sNaturals.com. Their cornerstone product is something called collagen peptides. And if you've never taken this daily supplement, boy, you need to. Bub's collagen helps with muscle recovery and joint health, which is why I take it, because I have beaten my body up doing spy stuff and just being a big old dummy. Yet it is also a product that's wonderful for other things too, like hair, skin, nails, plus your gut. And I'll tell you, I have used collagen from other companies, but no longer. That other stuff is absolute garbage. Bub's collagen is top shelf. For what it's worth, I also use Bub's Naturals for their hydration packs because they are loaded with electrolytes that I use in the morning and the afternoon to start my day and keep me going strong. Because that, my friends, is what Glenn was all about, keeping his body fit to fight like a lion. So my friends, go to bubsnaturals.com. And when you buy from Bubs, make sure that you use promo code right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T, and get 20% off your first order. So do it for yourselves and for the memory of a fighting American. Go to bubsnaturals.com, and I tell you, your joints and your skin will be so happy you did. I am two months into eating Super Beats Heart Chews, and I am fired up to tell y'all, I feel it. This stuff works for me. It gives me a shot of energy, plus performance and endurance. And that heart-healthy energy is exactly what I was looking for. Best yet, if you pair Super Beats with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in these little chews are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And it's so easy to use this product. Just two little tasty chews in the morning and you're set. No pills to swallow, no ingredients to mix. So do what I did. Go to GetSuperBeats.com, that is B-E-E-T-S.com, and use promo code RIGHT and you will get a 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews for free and 15% off your order. That is a ridiculous deal for heart-healthy energy, but I love it. So go to GetSuperBeats.com 
and use promo code right and get that heart healthy energy you need and support that healthy blood pressure too. You will be so glad you did. Welcome back to the right report with one more update before I let you go. This next news is about something we discussed, golly, at least back in April, maybe before. This is about geoengineering. So let's do a quick refresh of what this is, starting with a little bit of context. Many climate change scientists and activists believe that the dirty green revolution doesn't go far or fast enough. They say that EVs or solar panels can't be deployed before the planet turns into an Alvin or iceberg or both. I don't know. Anyway, they argue that the better and faster way to change our global climate is to do something called geoengineering. The general principle is that you tinker with nature, whether that be the ocean or the atmosphere, and you block out a percentage of the sun or you capture and sink carbon dioxide either into the ground or to the ocean floor. So with that context, I now have a couple of interesting updates. Researchers off the coast of Massachusetts this summer will dump something called sodium hydroxide into the ocean. It's going to act as a sort of a a Tums-like sludge that will soak up and absorb, capture carbon dioxide from the air. Then it will then either stay on the surface or sink to the ocean floor. For what it's worth, they say that this is very, very safe, apparently. Next, researchers are testing whether they can replicate volcanoes. They're hoping to shoot massive amounts of reflective particles into the atmosphere. And as they do that, it will cool the planet. So for folks unaware, this does happen when a volcano erupts. The material and gases shoot into the atmosphere. They then reflect the sun and the heat back into space. These big eruptions can lower global temperatures upwards of 10 degrees or more for upwards of a year or beyond. And that is exactly what researchers are thinking about doing, about spraying these reflective particles of various kinds into the upper atmosphere to cool the earth below. Finally, there is also another idea that involves some Israeli researchers who are shooting saltwater mist into the air above oceans. So the idea is that it'll create patches of some low-level clouds, say above a distressed coral reef, and that will bounce sunlight and heat back into space. And if all of this sounds crazy, like putting some tums in the ocean or shooting stuff into the atmosphere or maybe creating some clouds above reefs, Well, it is not crazy or dangerous, according to the United Nations or the White House. Last summer, Mr. Biden said that he and his team are open to the idea of geoengineering and they want to study it further. That came just a couple of months after the United Nations said that geoengineering is the only way to save the planet from climate change. Meanwhile, other scientists, including some very serious climate change experts, they disagree. They say that this idea of geoengineering is really crazy and very dangerous. In fact, they say that when this idea was first being seriously considered about 20 years ago, folks back then said no way. And that's because they believe and have proven that geoengineering efforts can actually cause extreme and unpredictable weather changes. That includes major droughts, which of course would severely impact our food supply and human life. Plus, they say when it does rain, it would likely be more acidic acid rain. So here's the bottom line. Folks, geoengineering is something that we should put back on our radars because these experiments are now starting to happen. 
That is, of course, with the backing of the White House and the U.N., So it is a conversation that we will need to have in the coming months because it's going to impact all of us, whether we like that or not. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. But (laughs) one more thing before I let you go. Tomorrow, we are slated to have a guest. It's something that I hope to do more often on Fridays, probably. I'm going to bring in people that will help us review the week's news and answer some of your questions, uh, provide informed analysis and commentary with me, and otherwise just kick off our weekends in style. Tomorrow, we are scheduled to have a good buddy of mine come join us. It's a former CIA analyst. His name is Buck Sexton. He spent some time on the counterterrorism desk at the agency years ago. He then went on to the world of media. He now hosts a podcast and a major radio program with a guy named Clay Travis, They took over the old time slot from a fellow named Rush Limbaugh. Tomorrow, Buck and I will start by talking about domestic news. Then we're going to have a block about global events. Then we'll wrap up with our time in the CIA. We're going to share stories about our experiences there, what we think has happened since we left, and what the future of the agency should be. So tune in tomorrow, my friends. It's going to be a great time. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.